We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, December 21st. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. We're just going to get right into DeMarcus Cousins because last night was awesome. Um, as a, a boogie supporter, as a basketball fan, uh, as someone who got home just in time for the boogie antics, it was a great night. Uh, 55 points for DeMarcus Cousins, his second 50 point game of his career. 17 of 28 from the field also had 13 rebounds um I mean this was you know antics aside like probably the best game of his career you know just one of those games where there was nobody on on the Blazers roster that was going to stop him he knew that he he repeatedly uh, attacked Portland especially late in this game made five threes had three blocks but the story is not that the Kings won the story is not that Portland is now four games under 500 it is that Boogie, who was already in hot water this week for the reporter issues uh, with the Sacramento Bee and, you know, that kind of bringing up some past issues that have been unreported. Now he is ejected from this game. He picks up his second technical late in the fourth quarter, um, ends up literally sprinting into the locker room. He was so upset and kind of rightfully so, maybe. We'll get into that. Uh, but then after a brief officials conference, 
Cousins comes running back out. The I was uh, watching the Sacramento uh, feed of this game on League Pass, and uh, I don't know the exact quote, but I do know that Boogie was compared to both Jesus Christ and to Bo- uh, Lazarus. Two Bible references in about ten seconds by the the play by play and the and the color guy. Um, so bizarre night in Sacramento. Kings get the win. Cousins ultimately not ejected, but one of the weirder and more fun nights uh, of the season thus far. And that's the end of the podcast. That's all we have. That's really all we need to say about it. Yeah, I was watching this game. It was the final game of the night. There were no other games happening when all of this happened. So it was cool to watch late night NBA Twitter all react oh, and yeah. all just lots of question marks and lots of tweets. The only other late night NBA Twitter thing event that has caused this big of a blow up uh, was the Clay game. I think. Yes. Where you kind of thought everything was over for the night. You mm-hmm. check your phone a half hour later, and things are going crazy. Yeah. No, that's certainly the case. Uh, first of all. I think if there was any team on the schedule that this game, this potential Boogie Cousins output could happen, it would be the Portland Trailblazers because they're one of the worst rim-protecting teams in the league. And so if you could you know, pick a couple teams, I think you would actually choose the Portland Trailblazers for Boogie to go off against. On top of that, when I was watching the game, I didn't have the sound on. Can you imagine... I, I had no idea what was going on, right? Why did you not have the sound on? Well, <laughs> it's, it's complicated, but after it gets past a certain point, you know, I just... Uh, have roommates, girlfriend, just trying to sleep, and in the way that the room is set up, uh, just no sound after a certain point. What do you live in, like an echo chamber? <laughs> like, I've never, studi- I've, never been, I've never actually been to your I, current place. I know so. you know you've never <laughs> been to my place because I live in a studio apartment. It's not that big, okay, yeah. And so like the living room, the kitchen, and everything is basically one is all the same. And so I was trying to figure this out, and I was just like scrambling to get on Twitter, but then nobody on Twitter knew what was happening. And so you see like these fans. And I'm like, oh, is Boogie just like tearing up? And then he comes out, and everybody's pointing, I mean, and it was it was madness, and I had no idea what was going on. I I don't really know anything about wrestling. I've like recently been dragged into the world of wrestling because my roommate purchased a WWE video game that we've we've been kind of getting into as as almost a joke. Uh, but like, you, there's often this overlap between NBA fans and wrestling fans, which I didn't really knew what? existed until recently. I mean, if if you're on like the NBA, if you're in the NBA Twitter game, like it's it's weird. Like I don't know anything about wrestling again. But you, there's a lot of this reminds me of a WWE match or a wwe twist and like even with my limited knowledge of wrestling i was like yeah i could kind of see that like the way he came back out yeah. and like the crowd is going insane yes. like yeah he comes back without the headband that was on when he left <laughs> like jerseys untucked like garrett temple ran over to him and was like tuck your jersey yeah, in, man pointing like, at him. and like the game was just like right back on like there was not even really that much of a pause like boogie's back all right we're back uh it, w- it was hilarious and then of course did you see the post-game interview yeah didn't they bleep out like basically <laughs> they just his cut his res- mic yeah they cut his mic and he I- hadn't even said anything at that point yeah. like they were, it was like a preemptive like oh let's just make sure we don't <laughs> even have to deal with this like he hadn't sworn he hadn't even named like it was no. all like the whole rant i think was about myers leonard but Pumley was also guarding him like he didn't mention either of those guys by name like no that, i don't think that's what it was about i here's here's what i think it was about and who honestly knows is he saying, this is getting ridiculous, man. This is getting ridiculous. I think it's the fact that because his mouth guard fell out. And he quotes, spit it at him. Okay, so what he, 
by his version of the story, it fell out, and the fact that they were so quick to get him out of the game without even like talking it over, that's what he was saying was ridiculous. Is that you doing that because it's me when you actually no, no, when sure. you have a cooler head about the situation, you call me back, but you reacted to me and my reputation, mm-hmm. not the actual action on the court. Now, no, obviously, right. the actual action on the court, blah, 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 you can go off. Yeah. But yeah, no, his post-game conference, I was into it. The sideline reporter was kind of terrified and ready for that to be over with right away. Uh, but yeah, they just like completely blurp or um you know didn't didn't uh we got about 30 seconds in and then it just cut out and like yeah the camera's still going he's still talking but you just couldn't hear any of it um it was exciting the whole thing was awesome it's great because the typical post-game interview is always so vanilla you know it's yes lebron you you scored 45 tonight what was working for you well defensively as a team it's like what like that didn't even had nothing to do with the question (laughs) and then like it's all the same like I do just wonder if all the players sit together and like we're just gonna see if anybody notices if you know if we just don't answer these questions. But no, that was uh, raw and unfiltered Boogie Cousins. I think it can get even more unfiltered because from what I could tell or what I could hear before they cut him off, he didn't swear anything. I loved it. Loved the whole thing. And we always talk about Cousins leaving Sacramento. They love him in Sacramento. It's like yeah. we talk about it being him being a problem and him being an issue. If I was a Kings fan, I'm not even not a I'm not even a Kings fan and I love him in Sacramento. I think it's it's an interesting fit from a entertainment standpoint and that really reached its peak last night. Yeah, I mean it this has gotten a ton of coverage nationally, and uh, part of me or go real ahead. quick. He remember that he he made that it was an and one play, got kicked out, came back. He shot the free throw and made it. Like yeah. if you if I would ever bank on somebody missing a free throw, it would be after that whole whole ordeal. But he was on one last night. He was yep. lasered in focus. It was amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he was. It was just one of those nights where. Everything was going in. Like he was, like you said, five threes. Like I mean, he's a decent three point shooter, but he doesn't hit five threes very often. I don't know if he ever even has. I'll have to, I'll have to check on that. But even you know some of the shots he was making, you know, they were great, great spin moves. You know, moves that he routinely executes. But you know, I mean, they were you know, leaning, not really looking at the rim. Everything's going in. One of those type of nights, and uh, and it kind of offset. You know, it was a huge game from CJ McCollum, um, and kind of underscored. The subplot of this game, which is that the Portland Trailblazers are not that good. Um, yeah. I think we thought that they would be better. We talked about yesterday, you know, when we were talking about coach firings or potential coach firings. Stotts isn't going to get fired. He's not in that category. But, you know, this is probably the second or third most disappointing team in the league, right? I mean, and they're still right in the thick of it in the West. So you got to talk relatively. I mean, right now they'd be a playoff team. Um, but, you know, they've lost, what now, seven out of their last eight. Um, some of those losses, you know, Indiana, Memphis, when when Conley was still out, uh, losing big in Denver, they've allowed at least 126 in regulation in each of their last three games. Um, I mean, this team has some major issues. Yeah, I completely agree. By the way, Cousins, this is the second time Cousins has hit at least five three pointers. In two other games, he's hit at least four. So you know, he does he does break out right. late at night when nobody's watching. Um, Regarding the Trailblazers, last preseason, not this preseason, preseason, but last preseason, before anybody thought C.J. McCollum was this rendition of C.J. McCollum, I came on this podcast and we talked about, you know, who's going to be some of the bad teams or who's going to be the most overrated teams. And I said the Trailblazers. That front court was completely unproven. We didn't know Mo Harkless. We didn't know Plumlee. All these guys that have really come together. And I said that they might be the worst team in the league. And now, for whatever reason, they were really solid last year. This year, not so much. This is more so what I was expecting. Obviously, I was expecting a team far worse. 
but you have to kind of sit down and realize, look on paper, see what they have, and realize, oh, their two best players are in the backcourt, and those two guys can't defend worth a lick. Their record of 13 and 17 makes sense, and the only reason why we think it's somewhat disappointing is because, for whatever reason, they were you know walk the wire last year and, and get to, and put together a few wins. But I'm not surprised. It was only a matter of te- a matter of time. I just don't think that this team is really built up to win a lot of games because they have so many weaknesses, and their two best players, you know, arguably uh, are playing the exact same position. It just doesn't work. Well, what happened to them? Exactly. So, like, let's diagnose it a little bit. I mean, they're sixth in offensive rating. They were exactly sixth in offensive rating last season. So, like, nothing's really changed there. Lillard's been just as good. McCollum's been even better. Um, but defensively, they've gone from 20th in the league to 30th. And the difference in rating there is, you know, six points, which is a lot, a ton. Um, I mean, to me, that's bigger than the drop from 20th to 30th. So, like, what – I mean, they were never a great defensive team by any means – um, but at the same time, I mean, this, they're allowing like almost 10 points per game more than they were last season. Like, what exactly is the difference? I mean, for the most part, this roster is well, the same at its core, and they added, you think, more depth. Well, here's the difference. It's Alfaro Camino, who has not played most of the season when he has played. Uh, you know, he's playing. He's never been a big offensive producer, but you could say that he is the glue that holds this team together. Um, I'm trying to see how many games. He's only played 12 games this year, averaging 24 minutes. Obviously, that back issue has been a pretty big issue. It seems like he's going to come back, and when he's finally at full strength, maybe uh, in January, I would say, mid-January for sure, then we can judge this Trailblazers team. But I think the Chief, as they call them, might be the X factor for this team finding success. I believe Ed Davis is the Chief, for the record. Uh, so I don't want there to be any rumors that Alfred Camino is the Chief. What's Alfred Camino's nickname, then? It doesn't have one. Uh, look, I'm looking at his one. reference page right now. Nothing listed. Uh, but yeah, Chief is what is what they. I think it's just Chief because Robert Parrish was the Chief, and I think Dave Ed Davis is just Chief, which I like a lot. It's a great nickname. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Minu is one of those guys. Like you said, he's only played 12 games. I don't know, dude. I hate I hate to stop you, but I think the Chief is Alfred Camino. No, we gotta. No, he's not. Stop the train here. We gotta Google search, figure this out. I've got a, I got a, the chief has arrived. Aminu brings experience to young trailblazers on trailblazers.com. He's the chief? Yeah. I don't know. Wow, you've been living a lie. Alfaruk Aminu is the chief. Ed Davis does not have a nickname. I don't know. Yeah. I, you, I think you might be right. I'm this right. This is actually, I just, it's, this is shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just take 15 minutes of dead silence and this digest is, this. Yeah, RIP to, <laughs> to me. Um, RIP to me believing – I mean, one, RIP to me believing that Ed Davis was chief. Two, RIP to me having the, the audacity to correct you on this uh, so authoritatively and just be completely wrong. Well, let me tell you, throwing that back in your face was a this pleasure is, that – is going to be my best Christmas this present. Is something, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that, this whole thing that just happened here. Shocked and appalled. Okay. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, wow. let's shake, try Shake it, it off, Can man. we try to move on? Well, we can try to. Just shake it off. Um, you know, I still, I'm still, Dav- like, grasping Dav- at straws here and, like, Do you know who Ed Davis is? His parents are yes. Angela Jones, Terry Davis. His salary is about $6.98 million. He's a professional basketball player. Is. Okay. I don't know who Ed Davis is. You... 
this is train train officially derailed. Uh, that all being said, you, the you guy named from here. the, the guy minute. named Al Farocamino has been out. I think that's been the difference between this season and last season. When he gets back on the court, I'll be happy to see if he is actually the X factor. That being said, I don't know if he is. I'm not so certain to say that. Obviously, he's the one missing piece that that's different from this year than last year. Uh, but like I said, I've been kind of waiting for this Trailblazers team to actually play up to expectations on paper. Because let's be honest here, if they could completely overhaul their front court, small forward, power forward, and centers, and bring in a new group, I think they might be inclined to do that. Because I don't think they're set on anybody in the front court moving forward. No, no, I don't think they are either. And I, I think there's, it's fair to note that if Festus Azili was available for this team, maybe things look a little bit different. I mean, he's the only true, like, defensive-minded big man on this team. His career might be over, by the way. Have you heard about that? I don't know if his career, but, I mean, season. That's the thing. He probably isn't going to play this year, which is big for them. I mean, it's not like, okay, once we get him back, we'll be good. It's like we're probably not getting him back. Uh, And even then, it's like – you know, as you're hinting, like, what did you know? What if he's just not the same? And even like, what is the same for for Azili? Like, we don't even know like how good he actually is. He's one of the most overhyped players in the league, I think. I've thought, and obviously, yeah, I'm, so I'm not. Too. I don't want to kick him while he's down, but um, it was a lot of potential in what he could do because he's so young. Um, over the course of his career, he's 27 years old right now, man, and he really hasn't yeah. ever done anything in the NBA to say that he deserves a lot of minutes. He just happened to be right. on some good Golden State Warrior teams. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of inflated value there, certainly. Um, but yeah, so if you're Portland, like, what do you do here? Like, do you play it out with this core? Like, the way that they built this team, they have, you know, they can, they are in great shape to make trades, essentially. Uh, and I think they probably will look to do that. Uh, but, you know, do you try to add, like, another, like, a third piece to to elevate this team? Do you kind of try to do, like, a... I don't know, you know, two for like a two for one. You you deal some of these like extra wings. Like maybe you include Evan Turner and try to get somebody back. Like you what know do why, they need? You know why it's hard is because ideally you would add somebody, a high volume shooter as a power forward and small forward, and then you wouldn't have McCollum on the roster. It's It's hard to think of a piece they need because it doesn't work to have your two bulk shooters in the backcourt and then expect a third volume guy to come in and mix it up. There's no volume. That's the thing. Yeah. You need, I think you need a defensive minded four, right? Like that's kind of what this more team than, seems You need to be more missing. than that. I, I would argue that Harkless, Aminu, and Plumlee right now, that's their number one uh, like focus on the court, and they're not getting the job done. I think you need more than that. I think you need somebody to mix it up on the offensive end as too, too because they're unable to exploit opposing weaknesses in the front court. They have nobody on their roster who can do that. And to be a good team in the NBA, you need to hit them with different angles. Trailblazers are unable to do that in this current edition of their team. I think they need to diversify and not add. Yeah, I think... I think Lillard and McCollum are great. Like, everybody loves both of those guys. But, like, they're not... From a fan perspective, it's great. If you're you're gonna play this style, like, you have to have, like, two transcendently good players. Like, it works in Golden State. And they obviously have Draymond and now KD, so it's not even the same. But, like, Curry and... Like, before Draymond became Draymond, it worked for Golden State because Curry and Thompson were that freaky good. You know, like, you have to still play Lillard similarly to how you play curry on d but it's it's not really the same you know like i think you you're just kind of trying to play a game with with pieces that you don't necessarily have long term i don't know like i don't i don't hate this pairing like this like these two can get you to the playoffs just about every year if you do a little bit better job of surrounding them with complementary talent 
the question is like, do you just kind of play this out and maybe like you, you think like, okay, if, even if we, we'll sink back a little bit, like maybe we get like the twelfth pick and have a chance to add a pretty good asset. I don't think they're going to think that way. Well, I think we've talked about it a couple times, and I don't think it's any secret. The guys on their roster have been built and accrued to trade to make a trade at some point this year. Um, I think there's some pieces that a lot of other teams would really, really enjoy um, where they could potentially bring in somebody that's that's very valuable. You know, somebody that's realistic right now, maybe in a three-team deal or some way, like a Rudy Gay could come into this team. But again, I don't think that's what they need because um, you're not really exploiting the front court or future front court matchups. And so uh, Howard Ford, like... Well, you talked about bringing in a defensive-minded four, Nerlens Noel. I mean, he's the biggest carrot that out there. That would be very interesting. Right? Th- you don't I mean, hear a lot of talk about that. Yeah. I, hmm. I kind of like that. I like so it, too. So, Nerlens for what? Uh, Mo Harkless. Evan, uh, send him back. Send him back. It's, I don't know. It's tough because we... I mean, I don't. I think they want more. Like, like do you, could you do Nerlens for, like... Like, do they even want Evan Turner? Probably not. I don't know. Mo Harkless is 23. Um, he's averaging 12.5 points this year, and you're expecting that to continually rise. Uh, Crab, Alan Crab. Money-wise, I don't know how you'd make that work. That'd be tough. Yeah. That'd be, he'd be a decent fit in Philly if he was still on, like, a rookie deal. Sure. Like, him and Covington are, are similar type of players where you can only yeah. really stand one of those type of players on your team. I don't know. I, I, I kind of hope they're going to make a move because, obviously, they're struggling. They could be a playoff team. Yeah. But Denver is closing in. Denver is playing very good basketball mm-hmm. right now. Uh, Portland is not. And so I, I would say that right. at this point I wouldn't be surprised Portland, if Denver eclipsed Portland. Portland could do, like, a pick, you know, do like a pick plus Vonley or a pick plus? No, Vonley is no value. People, well, I mean, it's just you, you need the money to match. Is what oh, I mean. like gotcha. you, you know, I think basically the Sixers would just get a pick out of it. Like they wouldn't be concerned about Vonley. Does Jake Layman have any value? The best <laughs> per James. minute guy James in the is NBA has been on Layman for like a year and a half. I think. I think some team would would you know every team would want him as like a as an asset, but I don't think they're expecting anything out of him. Like if they liked him enough, he'd be playing more. That's right? that's I fine. Mean, I think well, he's, I think for where they got him, like end of the second round. Well, sure. let's let's keep in mind this this Trailblazers team is the same one that had Will Barton on their roster, never used him, goes to Denver, and he like plays his face off. I mean, it's on the best contract in the league, best contract in the league, and last year he led. Uh, the Nuggets, last year's Nuggets, to a close game with, with the Cavaliers. And so I'm wondering if there are any other diamonds in the rough here in this Trailblazers team that, that just don't work out mm-hmm. because Lillard and McCollum are obviously very good, but that's going to leave some guys. Like, maybe if Crab was a starter and saw 30 minutes a game, he would be an absolute baller, you know? Yeah, I think I think teams know about Crab. Um, well, the thing with, with Philly, if we're talking Nerlens, to go back to that for a second, is that Every time he like speaks up and you know the situation becomes more and more heated, it, they just keep losing leverage, right? Yeah, no, he, he's hurting his own trade value, and he could care less because he just wants out, period, which makes sense for him. But the thing, I think we're getting dangerously close to where a, a Mo Harkless for Nerlens Noel straight up, if you know, depending on some money, might work out because uh, Harkless can be a staple in a starting five moving forward for the next five to eight years. I think he's a solid piece. He's a minutes gobbler, and so you feel confident with him out on the court. Is he going to change the game? No, but he could certainly mature into that the best version of Damari Carroll that we could ever imagine. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's totally fair. Um, all right, so let's switch gears. We covered Boogie, we covered the Blazers, um, Bucks, Cavs, round four tonight. We had round three last night. Um, first of all, what do you think of this scheduling, uh, where a lot of teams are playing like the same team back to back? It's almost like uh, you know it's home and home. So I wouldn't. It's not quite the same as baseball, where you you know you're playing an entire series uh, in in one place. But like the Bucks recently, like their their schedule has been very very. Uh, strange. I'm going to try to bring it up real quickly just to just to verify. But they played the Cavs last night. They get the Cavs again. They played the Bulls back to back last week, uh, and they play the Wizards back to back Friday, Monday coming up. So I mean, it's just kind of a way, I guess, to knock out these Eastern Conference games that you have to do. I mean, we saw it with the Cavs too. They played Memphis two times in a row uh, last week. Um, I mean, what do you, do you have an opinion on this? Do you, do you care? I feel like I should, as a you know, NBA guy who's consuming every single game that happens but i just can't think of any negatives or positives either way i do think it's a little bit weird that this will be the fourth and final game that the bucks and cavaliers play so from that perspective i don't like it because if you look at a team like um like memphis right this the first quarter version of memphis hopefully will be very different than the final quarter when they've got chandler parsons back when they're close to health and so if you're going to play all four of your games against a team like that in the first quarter or the first third it just doesn't seem very fair uh i know there's like bigger issues and bigger complications that arise Mm -hmm. although it just seems a little bit out of hand to play all four of your games in the first third or first quarter of a season yeah i mean it happens i mean didn't the spurs and the warriors play like three times in the last three weeks at the end of last season um i I think they did, but I just don't get like what it'd be one thing if they were both home games. Like you're not, you're, you have to go like Cleveland had to play in Memphis one night and then back in Cleveland the next night. Like what, what is the benefit there? Well, you like each team has to travel. I don't, well, here's the thing is you're not going to have the same team. Like you're not going to have bucks in Cleveland back to back nights because from a ticket perspective, that's not great. Fans who want to go to that yeah. game are going to choose one or the other. They're not going to say, "Oh, right. I can't wait to watch two of the exact same game back to back nights." No, totally, I, I agree with that, and that makes sense. But I think like, it's, why not just like stagger these games? Like, I think like, it's what a, is the point? It's a fairness thing, right? So like the most, the fairest you can possibly get is if if the team, your opposing team, travels the exact same amount of miles on the same amount of rest. And so really, that yes. that second game of a back to back is the fairest game but you're ever going to have. It depends, like where you were before that, you know. Like the Bucks were in Toronto yeah, yeah. before playing yeah. back at home in Chicago. Like I don't know where the Cavs were before that. Um, it, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's never going to be perfect in that ride. Uh, but I, I guess, I guess to, to put it bluntly, I don't have a stance on this. I don't care a, at I, all. It's weird. I don't. I don't necessarily love playing the same team back to back. I think it's just kind of. Do you think it's, it's weird? I don't know. I don't. Th- but I don't think it's a big deal. Do you think it's uh, easier for the administrative side of things, right? So yeah. uh, think of these play-by-play announcers, these social media people. You don't have to, like, recheck stats and recheck personnel and stuff, and so you're familiar. Yeah. Well, I think it's good for the coaches too, right? Like, you're the same right. game plan, basically. Yeah. You know, more, give or take a few things. And I think from that, some things. I think there's some people behind the scenes <clears> that <throat> you wouldn't normally think of, but running the NBA, it actually yeah. is a lot easier to play the same team twice. Um, and then think of it like play-by-play guys have to get ready for a team and stuff no, like that. Yeah, but great. you don't have to do it on the second end. You just you right. know, you just got had a, t- a trial run for the game before. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, I would like to just find out why they do this. Like, I'm just browsing. I was on the Blazers <clears throat> reference page, so I'm looking at their schedule right now. They don't play any teams back-to-back. It seems to be like, like a Midwestern, the, yeah. like Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland, but like, Indiana we, like, Washington was involved with it. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know. I mean, it could just be a fluke. I, don't, I just don't remember this happening last year at all. Right. I think this is a new thing. I think it happened a couple times, but it is weird. It, it seems like it's happening more often. I mean, we'll keep our eyes posted. We should maybe get somebody uh, on the pod and, and yeah, ask that's him what I was some things. I don't know if we can. I don't have any contacts in the in the league scheduling office, but we'll have to look into that. Oh, we'll go straight to the top, Kamish. We'll have mm-hmm. him on Silver soon. What about Nurkic to Portland? It's just I just saw that come across Twitter. That's an interesting hypothetical. Right, so you're at the point where Jokic is the man in Denver, right? right? Where they made a mistake by not playing him. He should be the man moving forward. You're fine with Kenneth Kenneth Freed playing minutes. Like, maybe they're begrudgingly playing him, but you can't have Nurkic and Jokic on the court at the same time. They, right. they At least they figured that out. So I think they're ready to put him on the move. What's funny is that Joffrey, Joffrey Lavernier, um was pretty good in his own right last year, too, and they decided to pass on him. I guess it'll be interesting to see if they decide to pass on Nurkic now and really settle into Jokic. And, I mean, we're clamoring for it, right, for not only them yeah. to do that in the front court, but to do that in the back court as well. Yeah, and obviously Portland needs the rim protection, and Nurkic is, kind of fits that mold. Mason Plumley power forward. I mean, we do think of him as running a similar Draymond type of play yeah. where he gets the ball in the middle, doles it out one way or another. Do you think that Mason Plumley could play power forward to make a, a Plumley Nurkic front court work? I don't think he can shoot it enough to do that. So no, probably not. I mean, maybe for like short spells, you know, you can use it. His passing is a weapon, you know, but it's it's kind of to me, it's like Monroe and Henson, like never played together at all last year with Milwaukee. And there's a reason for that, you know, is because neither of them can stretch. Only one of them can defend that type of thing. So I don't think they would do that. But like if it means Nurkic and Plumley split the minutes like 50-50 at center, I think you could do a lot worse than that combo. Yeah. Um, but getting back to Bucks, cabs LeBron, I think, is playing way too many minutes. That's a discussion for another day. He played 47, I believe, last night. That was a crazy, crazy game. Um, the Bucks have already beaten the Cavaliers this season. Have they beat them twice? I don't they've know only beat the them once. I think they've only beat them once. Okay. Uh, but they play again on the on this back to back on Wednesday. It felt like the Bucks won that game, despite and they they ultimately went into overtime. Like they were down pretty big for parts of the second half, and it, it looked like you know the Cavs were kind of going to pour it on and, and close it out. But late run by the Bucks gets it to overtime. Jabari Parker played probably his best game as an NBA player last night, uh, which was really encouraging. But LeBron was just too much. I don't, did you see the the shot? I guess we'll call it like a. I think it was about a thirty three foot three to put the Cavs up, uh, and ultimately win that game. No, I did not it actually was, see it was the something. Th- I was I was clamoring. Uh, second time I've used clamoring on this pod. New record. Put it in. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Reverse dunk over LeBron James. Not impressed. Come on, I know over the, LeBron. So the James, big okay. the big talk in the office uh, this morning is the, has been that uh, Nick Whalen has a new nickname here in the office, Wet Blanket Whalen, because he's not impressed by Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, as I'm impressed by Malcolm Brogdon, I wasn't impressed by that dunk. How could you not be impressed by that I mean, dunk? Like, dunk That's, of the year, like he barely got me, off. It looked like he barely got off the ground. He dunked it. What more do you want? I mean, it was, do we want to pull out the like? Could you do that? <laughs> like, no, I couldn't. No, I could not do that. Uh, no, I mean it was a great, great dunk. It was like he didn't like jump over LeBron and palm his face and you know put a, a certain part of his body in his grill. Like no, he 
LeBron challenged what was he thought was going to be a reverse layup, and it was a dunk. I mean, it was a great, great dunk, but like I feel like it was a little overhyped. Dude, we're out of sorts today. The the Bucks and the Cavaliers play one more time this oh, year. Oh, they do. Okay. February twenty seventh okay. at Cleveland. So good. Um, so the Bucks are are currently yep. you know still still play them again. So the so. season series is at one and one. We don't know if Kevin Love as of recording time. I don't know if he's going to play. Um, he didn't make the trip to Milwaukee yesterday. This one, of course, is back in Cleveland. Doesn't sound like it's anything serious. Just like I think he banged knees earlier in the week against who the Lakers maybe. Uh, but either way, um, I could totally see them resting him for this game. The bigger news is that the Cavs just lost J.R. Smith today for an undetermined period of time. Probably Rotowire's Jeff Stotts gave some insight. He's always really good with this stuff. Uh, Broken thumbs, he said, typically cost players about six weeks or around like 21 to 23 games. So, I mean, that's over a, a quarter of the season. Um, which sounds about right, you know, as far as these injuries tend to go. All of a sudden, the Cavs are pretty shorthanded. I mean, they were already shorthanded in the backcourt. You'd think probably DeAndre Liggins now moves into the lineup, makes them a little bit better defensively, but there's a huge, huge drop-off in the three-point shooting there. Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of sucks from, like, an entertainment perspective because I wanted both, both Warriors and Cavs at full strength, and I think Kevin Love's going to be good to go by Sunday. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's pod. Moving forward, though, DeAndre Liggins is not the answer, right? And so if you're going to play him um, or expect the same production out of Liggins that you would out of J.R. Smith, you're going to be fooling yourself. He's just basically a placeholder. The dark horse to actually see um, some value and to actually produce for me would be James Jones because he can replicate that three-point presence, that three-point threat in a way that, Nobody else, perhaps, on the bench could. Do you want him out on the court for major minutes? No, of course you don't. But uh, to stretch the court and to actually come in and knock down threes, um, I'd be looking at James Jones and not DeAndre Liggins. But here's the thing overall. I'm going to just reinvest into Irving, James, Love, and maybe even Thompson to some degree. There's going to be no one-to-one comparison for production with J.R. Smith out of the lineup, Um, similarly to the Clippers right now, where I don't think that any one new player is going to come in and see a lot of production. I'm just going to reinvest into Chris Paul, reinvest into uh, J.J. Redick and DeAndre Jordan. I think that those players just take on more of the role, more of the opportunity, more of the shots um, because they can and because they know they have to. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my, my original point of LeBron playing too many minutes, like I think that's just going to have to continue, you know, if the Cavs are going to keep winning. I think we're going to still see periodic rest for him, um, and the Cavs have just looked terrible anytime he rests, which is kind of funny. Um, but, you know, I think it's, they're really not going to have a choice but to lean really heavily on he and, and Kyrie. Um, I'm with you on James Jones. Like you said, like he can't play more than like 10 minutes, but there, I could see him being in there, you know, kind of an offense defense switch. If it's a close game, you know, that type of thing. Um, we've, we've kind of seen them, you know, two years ago in the finals, he played quite a few minutes and obviously injuries were a huge part of that. Uh, but you know, they do seem to trust him over a guy like Jordan McRae, who's basically fallen out of the rotation. Um, so what's interesting to me is like, do they try to find a replacement? Like, like I said, they were already shallow at point guard. Now they lose their starting shooting guard for a month and a half. Like I, they don't seem to trust Felder and McRae. Birdman's out too. Like he's done for the year. Like all of a sudden they have like nine guys that they really trust on this roster. That's like super capped out. 
Yeah, and all these guys off the bench are, are old guys. I mean, I'm looking right. at the roster, and I'm saying, oh, Dunleavy, yeah, he can do that. Oh, wait, Dunleavy's been terrible. Yeah, he's been terrible, and he's he's an old guy. I just You don't expect somebody like him to step up over a good chunk of the season, mm-hmm. mind you. Step up in one or two games during a playoff se- series? Sure, but that's we're not talking about that right now. So, I mean, Schumpert has to be the guy, and Liggins just needs to find a way. Do they go out and get somebody? I don't think you really need to, man. I mean, if this is an issue heading towards the playoffs and you know that you're going to be a little sparse at the shooting guard position, then sure. But let's be honest here. I mean, they don't need to be 100% healthy to still retain mm. the one seed in the East. They'll limp along and they'll be just fine. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get JR back right around the All-Star break, probably a little after, which is fine. Like That, that concern really isn't yeah, that's not really that big to me. Um, and like in some ways, it's like it's you're, it's like built in rest. You know, like obviously Jr. is going to be working out and they're going to keep him in shape. But like in some ways, you know, sitting out a fourth of the season, you could kind of if you really want to spin it positively, is like all right, and then he'll be fresh for the rest of the season. But um, I, I do think they're going to have to make a move. Like I, it, I don't know if it'll be as drastic as last season. You know, when they, uh, you know, when they brought I guess it was two seasons ago already they brought in Jr. and Shump. Uh, last year they brought in Fry. Like I, I could see them bringing in a, a Channing Fry type of guy. Like the guy that I, I hear most often is uh, PJ Tucker. Yeah, which I would, would love make a ton him of sense. On this team. I think I think they'll look into that. The thing is, like, who is expendable for the Cavs? Like they don't have that Anderson Verjao. They don't have that Mozgov guy who is just like screaming to be traded. You know, like can, would they be willing to part with Shump? Like these guys are all like so tight now that I think you have to start considering that. No, you're right, and that was a that was a question that you posed to Chris Fedor um, when we had him on not that right. long ago. It's yeah, they do need to add some point guard depth or some shooting guard depth now, but um, you know LeBron has got all his buddies, and he's got to cut one of the buddies out of the pack. For me, it's Jordan McRae. Uh, Fedor also or uh, Chris also talked about you know they've been talking him up and trying to get his trade value out there, and I immediately no responded with, well, you know they're talking him up, but because he doesn't have anything to you know boast about to begin with. So right. for me. It'd be Jordan McRae, he's he's sitting in the point guard and shooting guard positions, and he's not able to help him now when they actually not able to help the Cavs now when they actually need the help at that position. So uh, he'd be the expendable guy for me. But like, what does he get you? Like, he doesn't get P.J. Tucker. No, I I don't think that he gets you anything. I just think that if you're going to sign somebody somehow, he's the guy that you release in turn. Right. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, they can only sign. My, uh, my mic is like falling off the table. If gotcha. you're hearing, if you're hearing banging noises, uh, sounds but, like construction work here. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is the second time this, this has happened. This is impressive. To me. You're doing construction work and yeah. talking into a microphone at the same time. Yeah, you know what can I say? Um, but the thing, like, they can only sign veteran, veteran minimum deals. You know, you you basically have to trade at this point. You know, there's nobody. There's no like veteran out there. Like, maybe like would they bring in like Josh Smith? Ooh. Maybe I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they would. I but what I'm saying is, like, it would. If you're going to add someone via signing, like one, it has to be someone who's a free agent. Two, it would have to be someone who is taking the minimum. So, you know, that's really the extent of it for them. Um, obviously, they're not going to move Kevin Love. They're not going to move Kyrie. They're not going to move LeBron. Like that's so much of your salary. Like to me, Shumpert is kind of the guy, and like he's playing so well this year that I don't think they want to trade him. He's he's really tight with Kyrie. I don't think they want to you know mess that up at all. You know, as bad as he was numbers-wise, he's still an integral part of this team and, and was throughout that run last year. So, 
you know, I don't know. We're, I, we're overreacting. They I don't can't think, get rid of James Jones, right? One of the five most important people in the organization, according to Chris. Yeah, apparently he's beloved there. Unlevy, but even he's a minimum. I don't know. He, I don't know. Here's the thing is that they don't, they don't need to do anything. They can they don't stand need pad. To, They're but just fine. That they do need to. If they want to win again, they need to. Well, if we want to talk about teams that actually need to do stuff, it's everybody but the Cleveland Cavaliers. We need to talk about right. Toronto. We need I to think talk about they Charlotte. know, though, like they haven't countered the Durant move. Like their counter to that was we signed Mike Dunleavy. Well, <laughs> yeah, tit which, for tat. Yeah, yeah <laughs> tit for tat. That's one of those like you know you could you could talk me into who's better, Dunleavy or Durant. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the, the strength that Cleveland has over last year's Warriors team, they still have it on this Warriors team. Rebounding inside presence, they still have you know that major stronghold. So you can talk about matching, but. Uh, why do they need to match when they already have the edge in the same area they had the edge in last year's playoff series where they won? Because Durant like just changes everything, right? You know, it's like all, I, if Harrison Barnes makes probably literally one more three pointer in that series, Golden State maybe wins, probably wins. Durant is you know, like that's the upgrade: is you take out Harrison Barnes and you insert the third best player in the NBA. Like it's just. It's absurd. It okay, really so is an absurd scenario. That well, then happened. what would your what would your counter be? Do you think that they brought on Dunleavy thinking that he could provide some pesky defense against Durant? I think he was just a shooter more than anything. I think Dunleavy was brought in for like this occurrence, you know, where either Fry or Jr. or somebody like that goes down, and like now you, now he's your guy that you you kind of you don't have to throw, you know, it's not you don't have to play James Jones twenty minutes, you know. Like I think you still like Dunleavy over him. Uh, I d- there's not a counter for Durant, you know. It's like, what can you really do? I think PJ Tucker's probably that guy because he's say. such a monster defensively. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like he's he's a maybe not maybe not a minus offensively, but he's like he's just neutral on offense. Yeah, no, that's what you'd be looking for. I mean, the Cavs need neutral guys on their team right. because they have so many big positives yeah. in love. All um, you know, Irving. Well, that's the thing James. is like with. You know, you ha- obviously you have LeBron, Love, and Kyrie to, to carry the offense. But like, even if you get a guy like Tucker, like how much can you play him? Like, are you playing him 40 minutes and he just shadows Durant? Yes. You know? Yes, you, you can. So? No, he has sucked up minutes over uh, during his career in Phoenix perfectly fine. I think mm-hmm. he'd be great for this Cavaliers team because he gives you so many minutes. And like you said, he's just kind of like a neutral guy, like yeah. a positive on defense and so, like a zero on offense. But that's okay. That's what this Cavs Cav team needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's exactly what they want because he can soak up so many minutes. You talk about J.R. Smith, you talk about Schumpert, and the issues with those guys is they're not really like P.J. Tucker where you feel confident having them on the court for the whole game. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker in that regard is actually a little bit more reliable than he either Smith or Schumpert yep. because those guys are basically, if you could combine those two players, that'd be awesome. But they're two opposing polar opposite type yep. of players. What this team needs is like 2012 Shane Battier. Like that would, he would be the <laughs> perfect guy to complete, uh, to complete this roster. But he's running karaoke competitions down in Miami. Um, Christmas Day games. We got Warriors-Cavs. That's the big one. Celtics-Knicks, Bulls-Spurs, Wolves-Thunder, which all of a sudden doesn't look all that great. Uh, and Clips Lakers. So rank these five games in terms of the ones you're most excited for uh, to least excited for. I so I'm. I can go first if you want to think about it. I want you to go first because okay. I want to figure out how I want to formulate this hot take. Okay, Warriors Cavs one. No, no question about that. No matter what happens, it'll be interesting. I think Celtics Knicks two. Um, any chance I get to watch Porzingis? Love doing that. Wolves Thunder three. Bulls, Spurs, four. Like, Spurs, I feel like, are just going to 
run through the Bulls. Um, and then Clips Lakers, just because like without Blake, the Clippers just aren't quite as interesting. And the Lakers are fun, but uh, you know this will be the last game, and I'll probably be half asleep at that point. I'm not going to rank them because I have this hot take I want to give. I have a feeling at the end of Christmas Day, as we head into the 26th of the d- December, we're going to look back on that Warriors and Cavaliers game and say, oh, man, that did not live up to what we thought it was going to be. Because, like we talked about on yesterday's pod, if the Warriors get up by 10 points at any point, mail it in. It's over. The game is over, and we could get yeah. to a point where all your stars are resting for the entire fourth quarter because, again, the Cavs have the ring on their finger. They have nothing to prove. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that happening. I, honestly, if I had to like bet on what scenario happens, I feel like Warriors' semi-blowout win is what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Um, but I'm glad the game's in Cleveland. Like The environment is going to be awesome. I, I want... I want to be clear, though. I think that the Cavaliers will give the Warriors a good finals series. Mm -hmm. But in this particular game, when you have Love not at 100%, you don't have J.R. Smith, maybe they they need to add somebody that they'd have during a playoff run. Mm -hmm. I just don't think the Cavaliers are mentally up and ready for this game, and they'll be mentally ready to let it go um, if it gets out, if it, you know, 10 points or so, just because it just doesn't matter as much. So you don't want to make it look like you're like scratching. Like you kind of want to play it cool. I feel like there's like a, uh, we don't need this type of this thing. This is like the skills competition at the All-Star game. If you miss the first couple passes, then you just play it cool, like, oh, I'm the coolest guy right. in the room. I don't actually care about this competition. Right. But make no mistake, those guys care until they miss a pass or, like, mess oh, up hey, once. I, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't question the Cavs, like, level of caring. I think they really want this game. I just think, you know, I think I, – I believe, I believe that they believe they're going to win. Me as an observer, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see one if the Cavs end up holding one any holding anyone out of Wednesday's game against Milwaukee or Friday's game against Brooklyn. I mean, home to Brooklyn on Friday, you would I think you would hope you could win without Love and or Kyrie or and or LeBron. You know, just to kind of keep them fresh. But obviously, with the day off Saturday, you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, the one thing about this game that kind of I mean, the Durant signing you know really ups the stakes and ups everything for Golden State. But like it, it's not a true rematch, you know? Like, this Golden State team isn't coming back with the same, you know, they have this extra weapon now where it's like, well, okay, come on, guys, this isn't fair. Like, we, I thought we were going to run it back, and now you're adding this guy? Like, I mean, I think that just, if you're the Cavs, it's like, all right, even more motivation. But, you know, it's not necessarily a true rematch. That's fair, but let's make no mistake about it. Kevin Durant has his own little rivalry with LeBron James and the Cavaliers yeah. because of a couple of finals ago. I'll tell you this, Nick, before we get out of here. I'm excited for it. I just won't be surprised if it's a blowout. Mm-hmm. Very excited to sit down on Christmas Day and enjoy this basketball. I hope all our listeners are too. Yeah. Um, final note. I read a really sad tweet today. Uh, really brought a tear to my eye. This is from uh, Al Iannazzoni. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He works for Newsday. Uh, he was you know, with the Knicks today at practice and said, Derek Rose said he doesn't care if he makes the All-Star game. He'd like the week off. But he also said he will be voting for himself. Come on, Just dude. The fact that Derek Rose believes, like, I don't know, there might, I might be able to sneak in here. Like, that's, that's tough. That's tough news. Not it's, surprising, but tough. Get out of here. I don't even want to talk.